spanning the Valley of the Sun and all across the 48th state. This is the Gatos and Chad Show. Happy, happy, happy Thursday, baby! Happy Thursday. All right, Becky Lynn in 10 minutes. We'll have the next news flash. Good to see you, Becky Lynn. Good afternoon, guys. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Hey, let's dig in because uh, a lot of talk throughout last year was what our governor, Doug Ducey, was doing on the border and uh, getting some buses and putting some folks on it and shipping them around the United States, sometimes to, let's say, New York, uh, sometimes to D.C., Chicago. Okay. Liberal cities (laughs) in liberal states who have a sanctioned city uh, policy and sanctioned city policies are essentially this. If you come there and and you get in trouble or they're not the state and the city will not turn you over to the feds no matter what, unless it's murder or something like that. Sure. And even at that point, we're not quite sure. What, but they won't work with the feds. So it's they'll protect you. So why not accept that? And that's kind of where he went with you guys are so welcoming. Here, take some of the burden away from Yuma and things like that. So a lot of people called it a stunt. Um is our new governor continuing this? <laughs> See, all right, so we had Governor Hobbs in studio last week. We certainly talked about, you know, immigration and the, the, the border issues and how do you work with the president who's so bad on the border? You know, she tried to answer that question. Um, it, it, there's a, there are reports that we're doing the same thing. So think about it. The busing of migrants, is it actually continuing under newly elected Democratic Governor Katie Hobbs? So there are two different reports. OK, we've got uh, uh, we've got a statement from the Hobbs, you know, uh, camp. And they say, uh, whereas uh, the Ducey administration was using migrant men, women and children as political pawns and wasting taxpayer dollars by forcing them on buses for days at times uh, to cities they didn't want to go. The Hobbs administration is treating these migrants humanely. Instead, we're sending them to cities. They actually need to go and be connected with their sponsors. And we're doing it in a more cost-effective way by looking at all travel options, not just buses. What are they doing? Lift? Are they flying <laughs> them there? I mean, it's... Well, well you're still what you, you just explained... Well, and, and by the... Let's not forget that migrants that come over here now, whether or not they do this... They're going to get to where they're going. How many times have we talked about the people that get on airplanes? They, you know, they've got, air, you know, air, air immigration and stuff they talk about. They're going to get from point A to point B in a lot of ways. Right. So they th- need to get it from the border to somewhere. Yes. Okay. So is Hobbs doing the same thing as Ducey? Yeah. Yeah. She just explained it a different way. We're being nice. That's it. Do like, do you think you're just being nice about it? And do you think that Ducey was like, hey, listen, I'm just doing this for political reasons. I mean, you could say the th- same thing about Governor Hobbs. Are you doing it just for political reasons and you want all of us to know that you're just being nice? But you're doing the same thing. You're doing the exact same thing. You're putting migrants on a bus and you're sending them to another place. Now, Hobbs is saying, hey, we're doing we're not just sending them to like uh, and I, before I even get there, let, let's make a, a clear difference to what Ducey was doing uh, versus DeSantis and versus Abbott. I think those two were doing it uh, much more in a political way. Is that fair to say? I mean, well, you, uh, where did DeSantis send everybody? Well, the San- well, the DeSantis was a much different thing, right? Because didn't he send migrants that weren't even in his state, and they flew them out to Martha's Vineyard? Right. 
Okay, that was completely a a political scam. Yeah. All right. With with Abbott, what does he do? He sends migrants to the house of Vice President Kamala Harris True. in the middle of the night yeah. on Christmas. Okay. Well, Let's, I mean, yeah, yeah, it started out, they got delivered on Christmas, if okay. you will, but it started out earlier. Well, they were there for Christmas morning. So did Governor Ducey do that? Not the way the other two governors did. And I think you got to make that clarification. And maybe Ducey Probably is it, he didn't think of it first. Maybe that's it. <laughs> I mean, that could be it, too. But Ducey definitely put people on buses and sent them away. And the question was always, do they know where they're going? Because... We all got different reports. Some some said they have no idea where they're going. Some said they know exactly where they're going. People who are pro yeah. I- pro illegal immigration and open borders to say it was cruel and unusual and knew where they were going. Right. People that are that uh, inside the office, inside the government are saying, you know what? They knew exactly where they're going. We asked them. We yeah. didn't force them. Right. And we didn't, you know. Now. The you know it, I want to go to the East Coast. Well, the East Coast is New York. That's a big place. That's a different. You know, maybe. It, did we drop them off in front of the home that they wanted to go to? No, no, no. So Hobbs is saying we're dropping them off in front of the home that they want to go to, I guess. Or uh, the city specific? Yeah. So if you want to go to Lincoln, Nebraska, are we going to fly you to Lincoln? Are we going to rent you a car? I don't know. Is she, and, and Hobbs is saying it's a more cost-effective way. I remember we did the math on the buses and how much it costs and the miles and all that kind and of the stuff. the time it took. In the time it took and all that kind of stuff. But... It sounds to me like this is a more expensive way. No, I don't know that for sure. Just it's the eye test. If you have one bus and you're sending that one bus to New York City, okay. But is there a difference between... Is it like Greyhound? Are we stopping along yeah, the way? I don't know. Is there a difference between getting getting 40 different people on 40 different buses... And sending them to 40 different places Probably. inside the U.S. And, and yet, just because you're the, the kindness. So maybe they are greyhounding him. Maybe they're getting tickets maybe. on greyhounds. Like, remember in El Paso, people were, you know, helping other people out so they could get from, you know, enough for bus fare. Okay, go down that road. If we're actually just buying them a ticket on a greyhound bus, if Hobbs is just buying them a ticket, hey, where do you want to go? I want to go to New York City. Hey, where do you want to go? Uh, I want to go to New Orleans. All right. And let's just say we're buying them a ticket, handing them the ticket. That's is that less. That sounds to me like it's much less expensive uh, than Ducey getting a whole bus, having two different bus drivers because it takes for all these hours to get there. Uh, you got to provide everybody a meal. But then I mean, you're also on a Greyhound. So uh, well, it doesn't have to be. Oh, I guess, I mean, yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, we're not. That's you know, it. what if we're flying them there? Is that a possibility but, as well? Yeah, but or f- we're, we're we're putting them on trains. Government's been flying migrants all, all over the country, over, under, and it's been happening for, for years. Decades. Under Trump, under Biden, under we, Obama, right. under Bush, you name it. We put them in hotels. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trump did that. Biden does that. Uh, so if you're looking at the different ways of busing migrants from our border, okay. You have um, the Yuma County Supervisor, Jonathan Lines, and he said Arizona is continuing to bus migrants to Washington, D.C., and it's happening under Governor Katie Hobbs. Okay, that's fine. I don't know what happened before. Did they get their own bus fare when they got here, when they crossed Are the border? Are they doing it in mass? Whether, well, here, here's what I thought, maybe. did they? Because remember, they get a certain amount of money for immigration. That's what he had allocated for certain things. Did he take some of that money and he contracted with a bunch of people and those people already have been paid and they're taking people, you know, these organizations are hooking these people up and it's still happening under Hobbs. Right. But it was all contracted pre-hurt. It's a possibility. Okay. 
Or but, is she just being quiet about it? Maybe. And, you know, just saying, well, we're doing it in a more humane way because we're giving them a snack. Let's say if you're on the border, okay, and, you know, Jonathan Lines is on the border. He's, he's in Yuma. Uh, why do you have a problem with what Katie Hobbs is doing? Uh, because I get the feeling that, you know, he if he's very, very pro-border, which I'm guessing he is, obviously, right? Then he's probably not a big fan of the Democratic Party. No, I so think it, you're upset because Ducey was evil and bad as everybody else is for doing this. And if it happens under Hobbs, it seems to be ignored. It's why do so you he, treat it one way oh, so with, he's with a D a, compared to an R? You think he's putting a spotlight on on. See, but he should, the hypocrisy. Okay, but shouldn't he be happy? Either way, there are migrants leaving Yuma under Ducey or under Hobbs. So what's the difference if you're if you're lines? Uh, well, the difference is, difference. It, remember, the difference is the way that people look at it is, you know, uh, your, your group will ignore something in this situation and you will absolutely run with it and talk about how racist and evil it is in this situation. So we just want you treat the treat us all the same. And that's, you know, you know, the media is and that's sure, what sure. he wants. And, and part of it is, too, it's good business because people start talking about it. use his name. He can raise money. All right. So what we do know is that uh, I don't care what fixes R or D or an I independent. uh, Just fix it. Fix the problem or slow it down. Slow it down. You're not going to make it 100 percent, but better than this. Here's the one thing we've learned. Hobbs is still putting migrants on buses. Yes. Okay. Uh, She says she's doing it in a much different way. But at the end of the day, we're still busing people around the country. Yeah. Under Ducey and under Hobbs. And I think that's important to state. Absolutely. All right. Coming up next, Latino students, they make up half of our K through 12 population. Yet they're falling behind. Why? We'll talk about it next. It's the Gatos and Chad Show. Ah, let me tell you something. We got a, a podcast, and it's amazing, called the Get Us and Chat Show Podcast. You got your iPhone, you got your Android. You can't do it with a flip phone. Sorry about that, kids. <laughs> but what you can do is subscribe, never miss any of the action, to the Get Us and Chat Show Podcast, brought to you by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home with guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. All right, Superintendent of Public Instruction, Tom Horn. Uh, did- <laughs> We need a horn every time somebody we say his name. <laughs> Did an interview with our own uh, KTAR news reporter Griselda Satino yesterday. We saw him leave the, the studio. Yes. Uh, I'm not a fan of, of him. I don't like who he keeps company with. Uh, I, I, we can get into all that later. But here's what Griselda asked him, and here's what he said. And if you listened, as you said, to the podcast, I had a problem with it. Latino students now make up. Uh, about half of our K through 12 population, and yet they lag behind their peers when it comes to reading, math, even you know going on to college, graduating from college. What do you plan to do to close this achievement gap? Yes, I, I, I spent a lot of time on this last time I was superintendent, um, and the, the biggest problem are students who arrive not speaking English. Okay. Okay. Uh, Griselda kind of hit him back and said, you know, that's not really the biggest problem. Uh, A lot of people were actually not born elsewhere. They were born right here in America and they do speak English. 
Uh, let's bring Griselda on from uh, KTAR News. Griselda, thanks for joining us. Pretty Hello, interesting guys. stuff. Yes, yesterday. I know we aired it earlier today with Arizona's Morning News. I didn't like the garbage that uh, Horn spewed to you. Mm-hmm. Tell, do you have? Because he didn't really answer the question. I don't even know if he knows. He thinks every Latino who's a kid doesn't speak English in a classroom, and that's why they're struggling. Have you figured out? Because you do a lot of these uh, stories on education. Why are Latinos struggling? Yeah, well, it's a bunch of different reasons. And, you know, yes, we do need great teachers, great administrators, the right curriculum to help Latinos do well in school. But it also comes down to the environment that students are in. You know, that plays a huge role. And and what I mean by this is, you know, what's going on at home? Do they live in poverty? Do they feel safe? Are they eating nutritious meals? Do they have reliable transportation? You know, are they getting resources they need, such as the Internet? All this impacts a student's ability to learn and unfortunately from my experience and you know the people I've spoken to many Latino students are in situations that make it very difficult for them to learn let me play devil's advocate somebody's listening at at home uh, Griselda and says Mm -hmm. why is it my job to feed that kid why they're going to a school what why isn't the school being able to to help them teach what's happening at home environment wise uh, that shouldn't play as much on you know them learning at school it may struggle with homework and stuff Mm -hmm. but at the same time you know that you can't ask the teacher to be all things to all people and as and and everybody else to to raise the child Right. But you got to also think about these are our students that are going to eventually, um, you know, leave school and are going to become part of our workforce. And so we need to make sure that they are um, able to go to school, um, you know, fed um, and ready to learn. You know, if they, for example, haven't been to the doctor in a while and they have a medical condition that hasn't been able to get addressed, um, you know, they're not going to be able to focus in school and be there to learn. Oh, that's interesting. You know, it goes it goes back to do you have a nutritional a nutritious meal to eat so you can actually focus in school? It's that simple, but it's that difficult. Like if I were to come on the air and not have eaten, you know, this I could be a bear. If I didn't eat lunch, I'm not going to be any good. Most people don't think I'm any good anyway. But I'm going to be even worse than you people guys have think. have no idea how bad he is when he I doesn't have to eat. eat. No, I mean it's that it's that simple. Griselda did. Did Horn give you, other than, well, all the Latinos in, in school, well, obviously they don't speak English. Did he give you any, any uh, you know... How was his Spanish, <laughs> by the way? Yeah. <laughs> Did he give you any concrete, decent things to say, other than the cop-out of, well, they obviously don't speak English, and he just walked over the border? Not really. I, I honestly don't think he had an answer for that. I think I probably caught him a little off guard, which was a little disappointing, considering that, like you mentioned, nearly half of our K-12 through population are... Latino. So th- this is a big portion of our K through 12 system. So I, I don't feel like he had a- an answer on how we're going to close this achievement gap. All right. Griselda, good stuff. We'll continue to listen to your reports uh, with your exclusive with uh, Tom Horn. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you. Uh, Griselda puts it very plainly and very eloquently. I mean, it is the environment that some of the Latino students are in. Absolutely. Are they and- living in poverty? Are they getting a meal uh, that is going to, to make their brain work when they get to school? Do they even have access to rides to school? That kind of stuff. Horn glanced over all of that stuff and just went to a so right-wing talking So what would be your point. fix? That we feed all children? 
I don't know, man. See, I, I, that's just yeah, that, What's that going to cost? It's not my job uh, to figure well, that out. I know that, but I'm asking you, yeah, right? We yeah. should be coming up with, you know, at least throwing ideas. Yeah. We feed all kids. Well, we do feed a lot of kids. Th- and I that, mean, that's, that's already, that's part of it. And there's, by the way, huge waste because a lot of the kids, they get the food and they're like, I don't like this food. Yeah. You know, so. A lot okay. of kids' meals are paid for when yeah, they go to school. So, they get a breakfast. Sometimes uh, they get a lunch. That's so, good. Sometimes they get, you know, we've talked about Sometimes they get a dinner. We've talked to our buddy over there at, you know, St. Mary's talks about during the summer because some of these kids get both breakfast, lunch, and dinner for, for their families. Correct. So, okay. So, so let's say they're getting that. Okay, let's say they're okay, getting then that. And then what is the problem? The, then where's the achievement? Well, the, you know, is the school's not funded well? Okay, well, that, that's something we can talk about. And we all absolutely need to talk about funding the schools. We've talked about that for a while, but yeah. it's still not like they're being denied going to school. Mm-hmm. Is there something at home where inherently maybe education isn't as important as is my, I know my grandfather. My grandfather, he was born and raised in Mexico, and he was about hard work, education, never harped on my uncle or myself about any of that stuff, but it was about hard work more than education. And and he had a fourth grade education and, and really saw nothing you know different about you know just work hard kind of thing. We went out and collected metal. He did. He did, tough, he did the tough yeah. job. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. Made a lot of money doing it, but he did the tough job. He did. He did. All right. Uh, coming up next, let's see. We've already talked about uh, migrants being bussed by our new governor out of Yuma. Uh, we dove into Latinos and why some students are struggling and falling behind. How about we uh, hit the issue of homelessness? So if a lady is homeless and refuses to move from your front yard, what do you do? Well, don't do what this next person did. We'll talk about it next. Uh, Gatos, you remember that guy in a homeless problems all over. What did we rise? 23% in the last uh, year or so, while everybody else is going up about 1%, if that. Mm -hmm. Well, San Francisco has gone up 5,000%. And of course, last week, there was a video of a guy who was uh, fed up and was spraying a lady with a hose. And uh, he's been, uh, well, he's been arrested now. Collier Gwynn, the gallery owner who sprayed down this homeless individual earlier this month, was arrested Wednesday after San Francisco District Attorney Brooke Jenkins issued a misdemeanor battery arrest warrant, saying on Twitter, the alleged battery of an unhoused member of our community is completely unacceptable. Yeah, and we talked about it. It was it's tough to watch. He's apologized. Even at first, he said, "No, I'm not going to apologize." He came out later and said, "After I saw the video, I realized I was wrong." Can I explain the video real quick? Yeah, because um, when you look at the man, he's standing up and he's leaning against a railing, and he's got like his right leg over his left leg, kind of crossed in a very nonchalant way, and he's got a hose in his hand, and he's just it's like he's uh, it's like he's watering a tree. That's how I yeah, look at it. Yeah. But he's what he's doing is he's spraying a, a human being mm-hmm. and his body language with water. He's not it's not acid or something. Yeah, I somebody definitely. said the other day it's probably poison. It's not, not poison. Down. It's not poison. It's water. And he's spraying this woman like she's a piece of garbage that he needs to push off the sidewalk and into a gutter. Yeah. So okay. uh, so he was arrested and people are cheering. And the funny thing is when they interviewed people. Even for this, they're like, yeah, you shouldn't have done that. You know, this lady lives out here. She's running around naked all the time, and she's defecating and screaming and yelling at people. And we hear it in our, our house all the time. And it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's sad, but you learn to live with it. And I'm thinking to myself, if this lady would have punched that guy, crapped in the street, which they do, and thrown a brick through his window, they would have done nothing to her. They should have arrested her. But they wouldn't. 
But because, because he it's did San this, San Francisco, they yes, won't do it. But because he did this, it's the look and the reaction of feelings from people. Yeah. It is not whether or not this is the heinous super crime that it is. The frustration should go not to this guy. He, it, yeah, 25 times, right? That's what he said. I called 25 times. Called the cops. Nobody did anything. Right. Uh, the, the, and while they're interviewing several people, a homeless guy walks up in the middle of this interview and urinates on the guy's door. Nothing. Yeah. They said he, she runs around naked all the time in the street cussing. Go downstairs right now. Pablo, go downstairs, strip naked, run around this building screaming and yelling at people. Let's see if the police come and get you. Yeah, they will. And it won't take 25 calls. It will not take 25 calls. Now, right. we will probably get you out. <laughs> I don't know about that. All right. So you know how disgusted I was with this yeah. last week. I hated what the man did, and I didn't like the fact that he doubled down and said, I'm not apologizing. Here's the here's the thing with me. I also don't think he should have been arrested. No. Uh, I think what he did was gross. I think, I think it was he, reactionary. I do, too, but it, it's still, I don't know what he did was illegal. You can't, I don't know if it rises like, to yeah. assault. You can't he put faces water on six somebody. months in yeah. jail? I think what he did was horrendous. But, yeah, six months in jail, no. I think what he did was really just gross. And watching him do it was even worse. But here's the thing. I don't know. I got it just real quick. I don't know what's illegal about taking a hose to somebody. I think it makes you a very terrible human being, at least at that moment in your life. I don't think it makes you a criminal. I just think it makes you a piece of garbage. I don't garbage even know if there. it makes you a horrible human being. Let me flip it. If this was a woman and a guy had been running naked, screaming and yelling, doing all these things, and she squirted a hose at him, would we feel the same way? So it's a woman squirting a man rather than a man squirting a woman. I think we'd have a different look. I think we would, too. Yeah. And I don't know what that says about us. I think that says that we're living in a world of feelings over facts and reality. Yeah. And the whole time we're having this conversation, we're not talking about the fact that they allow this to happen over and over again. And that's the fear here is we're going to get to a place where policy, waste of money. I mean, we're, you know, I mean, we're t- uh, today, we, you know, I'm sure we're going to talk about later that $200,000 toilet. How much money are we going to spend and what are we going to get out of it for real? Or are we just going to start enabling people to die easier in the streets? We think we're, we're thinking of putting what porta potties around. Yeah. And that's going to solve the homelessness crisis here in Arizona. Um, all right. Let's go down that road for a minute. Isn't it better to put porta potties around than to be stepping in it? Oh. Isn't it better to put a porta potty around? Because I think those things are an eyesore too. I but again, you know, if you really want to talk about it, you know, downtown Phoenix and the block after block after block of tents, that's an eyesore too. It is. But, but it's not only an eyesore, it's an issue that no one wants to face no. and no one wants to really help these people. But if you put in a porta potty, does it does it make downtown smell less bad? It yes. might, if, if they use them, they have porta potties that if they, they use them in you know in Southern California, Northern California. If you don't use them, it doesn't right. matter. Who right. ends up using a person just walking down the street? Maybe. who's got to go to work. Yeah, and maybe. goes in there. Yeah, that and and then you start going. Why does it cost two hundred thousand dollars for a porta potty? How many porta potties do we get for two hundred grand? We get one. We get one porta potty. Yeah, one hundred fifty thousand for a bunch of other stuff, and then maybe another fifty thousand to install it and do stuff. Mm. How is it we get one? I don't know. What happens inside the porta potties? Do they become a drug den? Are they going to be? I mean, the, we sure. you have to ask all of these questions. Yeah, it's fair. That's the fear, and it doesn't fix the fact that okay. 
great. They have a place to go to the bathroom, but they're still living in a tent. Yeah. We always want to put a Band-Aid over this. We don't want to ask the tough questions, sit down in a meeting, try and figure it out with both sides of the political party and say, what can we do to maybe help these people? What can we do to help the businesses down there that have, you know, garbage in front of their in front of their business or somebody, you know, that's loitering out there or someone that won't leave? You know, what do we do to help the businesses? What do we do to help the people? We don't think that way. And what we want to do is just cover it up with a fresh uh, with a fresh paint job, right? And put a porta potty down there so maybe a few of them can use the bathroom. And we don't want to be honest about a lot of things because if somebody's feelings are hurt and so much of what we talk about anymore is based strictly on feelings. Like I just said earlier uh, about the, if it was a, a woman squirting a man who's screaming at her, would we have a different view? Yeah. Well, why is that? Yeah, the optics look the a lot optics, worse. And we yeah. start thinking to ourselves, well, that's just not as... And that's okay if you do it to that. Yeah. That's that's the problem right there. We're, we're, we're not being honest because we might feel bad. Silly. All right. Coming up next. Should Alec Baldwin go to prison for accidentally shooting someone on a movie set? Yes. All right. We'll talk about it next. This is the Gatos and Chad Show. Alec Baldwin and Armour Hannah Gutierrez-Reed will each be charged with two counts of involuntary manslaughter following the onset death of Rust cinematographer Helena Hutchins in October of 2021. Santa Fe, New Mexico District Attorney Mary Carmack Altwies announced the charges Thursday, saying in a statement that there's sufficient evidence to file criminal charges and no one is above the law. Both charges are a fourth-degree felony, but one of them includes a firearms enhancement, which carries a possible five-year jail sentence. And Assistant Director David Halls signed a plea agreement for the negligent use of a deadly weapon. Jason Nathanson, ABC News, Hollywood. So, Alec Baldwin could be going to jail for taking a gun. Uh, You know, he's on a movie set. Somebody hands him a gun. What he's supposed to do with that gun, he's an actor. He's supposed to shoot it at somebody. And he did that, and he ended up killing somebody because there was a bullet in the gun. Okay, tell me why it's it's Alec Baldwin's fault that somebody didn't check that the gun was loaded. You're on a movie set. You're an actor. You're not in charge of firearms. You're in charge of yourself being an actor. And when someone hands you a gun, I don't know if it's real. I don't. How do I know I'm an actor? Right. Okay. Well, first and foremost, uh, he was playing around with the gun. Okay. Uh, secondly, that scene did not call for there to be anything fired just yet. He aimed it down into the camera, which none of this stuff. And it was they weren't even like rehearsing something by the sounds of it. At least this is what we've been we've heard from. Why and does that matter? He pulled the trigger. Okay. Now, do I think it's his fault? No. I think. Do I think he feels bad about it? Oh yeah. I think Absolutely. So. Do I think if you would go back and ask every one of them if they could take this back one hundred percent? Yeah, because somebody but died. You, I, I think what they're saying is. Did he follow the procedures to double and triple check with this? The, the, these things were secured and ready to but roll. Why is that his job? Uh, well, the, and, in theory, it's not his job. Okay, but you're also he was also one of the producers, so part of that is going to lean on you because th- this is your ship now, and you're going to go after the highest profile person in a thing like this. And he was the one who pulled the trigger. So he should go to jail for oh, manslaughter. Go okay. He's- you well, know, I don't got, think he's going to go to jail for for manslaughter. But uh, at the same time, I do. I think it's. I, I I think the person who is supposed to secure this, the person is the armory. Yeah, uh, person trouble should too. have been the one that should be paying the ultimate price when it comes to this because you did not secure and check and do everything you were supposed to prior to this incident. Yeah. 
Who knows if Alec Baldwin has ever shot a gun in his life? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't I know. I mean, either. I don't. Maybe he's got guns at home. I, I have no I idea. I doubt that. Well, he's a super lefty. So super I'm guessing lefty. maybe he doesn't have guns. Super lefty. Okay, fine. But that's also unfair because I know a lot well, of super lefties. I think he's been in movies and stuff. Here's the other thing. Yeah. It, it is his show, right? He's one of the producers on this thing. And one of the things they talk about is people felt unsafe for a while on the set because this person, this was not the first misfire they'd had. This is not, you know, the people, they were out the night before shooting some of these guns with real bullets out in the desert. Right. There should have been, I think they were looking at, this is your show. You're the leader here and you didn't do and, and. The things that maybe you were supposed to hmm. in coming down harder on securing the set. Yeah, there shouldn't be real bullets on the set anyway. No, no. You're not using real bullets. There's no reason to have a single live bullet on a set no. for a movie. And in this day and age, uh, with the all the technology, you don't even need... The, they could, they, everything could be done post production. You don't even need to put, be in a situation like that. You could, okay, for authentic, authentic, even with authenticity, it's at the point now where you really don't need that. You could get a toy gun, I guess, that looks like Well, you like get it, a gun that's real, but you can add later on, uh, the, the, the look of it and stuff. Yeah. Right. The, 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 the noise. They do that all in post production yeah. anyway. But I don't know, man. I think if, if I'm an actor and I'm on the set of a movie, and someone is going to hand me a firearm, and I know it's for a scene. I'm, and, and I know it's terrible to assume anything in life. I'm assuming that somebody's checked that gun. The last thing I think, and maybe it's the first thing I should think about. Maybe, I mean, that's fair. Maybe the first thing I should think about is, hey, you know what? I'm just going to check that there's nothing in here. I get it. And would you even know, though? I don't know. See, that's the other thing. Unless, you know, it's like, it's one thing. If you're if you're Mr. John Wick himself, Keanu, who's out there doing the things he does, he's got a better understanding understanding this stuff than maybe somebody like Alec Baldwin. But it seemed to, to me that prior to this, there was so many issues around the set and safety, and people were worried that some, it felt very amateurish. And when you're the guy that's one of the big producers, you're probably going to pay the price for that. And you pulled the trigger, they're going to look at that and say, here's the other thing. He said, Alec Baldwin said he never pulled the trigger. That gun doesn't fire unless you, you pull the trigger. That's the other thing. And experts have said that. And if you're just, you know, if you're a gun owner, you know that. Yeah. You have to pull the trigger. It doesn't just go off without you, you know, barely touching the gun. So when it, maybe Alec Baldwin didn't realize he pulled the trigger. I don't know. That's hard to believe. Yeah, that's. But uh, he said he uh, never pulled the trigger. But we all know somebody did. Somebody and did. Whose hand right? was the gun in? You know, and and see, and that's the other, one of the other things they were saying is, did he pull the trigger or was he doing the little spin around thing and playing oh. around with it and Which it went off? You should never do anyway. <laughs> Unless Not it called him. for that in the movie in and the you're movie. filming that part or you're practicing to get it right. All right, coming up next, all week long we've been telling you Scottsdale has cut off the water to a neighboring town. I think after a couple days of talking about this, we know who to blame. You're going to want to hear this coming up next. It's a Gatos and Chad show.